0: Hey guys, welcome back to Pop Culture Confidential. I'm Christina Yerling and this is The Irishman Week. After a limited theatrical release, this week marks the Netflix premiere of director-producer Martin Scorsese and screenwriter Stephen Zalian's epic three-hour and 30-minute masterpiece The Irishman. The film follows Frank Sheeran, played by Robert De Niro, a war veteran looking back on his life as hitman, his connections with mob boss Russell Buffalino, played by Joe Pesci, and in particular, the part he claims to have played in the disappearance of his longtime friend Jimmy Hoffa, played by Al Pacino.
1: It's over. They're all gone. Frank, it's time. It's time you say what happened.
0: to meet my cousin, Russell Buffolino. Better watch. There's a lot of tough guys around here. Did he tell you? I'm not afraid of tough guys, are you yeah. I didn't think so.
1: I was one of a thousand working stiffs. I thought I wasn't no more.
0: You got a good friend here. You don't know how good a friend you got.
1: Russell, he took a shine to me right away. After a while, he started giving me little things to do. I know you read a lot of things about me. I just want to say I'm sorry. I know I wasn't a good dad. I know that. I know that. I was just trying to, to protect all of you. From what? You didn't see what I see, what I've been through. A friend of ours is having a little trouble. friend at the top. Hiya, Frank. This is Jimmy Hoffman. Glad to meet you. Big business and the government is on the attack! Do you want to be a part of this fight? A part of this history? Whatever you need me to do, I'm available.
0: The Irishman was a massive endeavor, and it spent a long time in production hell before Netflix stepped in with the funding. And it's one of the most expensive films in Scorsese's career. The story spans decades and used an advanced technique of de-aging the actors up to 50 years. And you can just imagine the massive work on the production design, the set decoration, over 100 locations and 300 scenes. But my guest this week is no stranger to huge productions. She's veteran and award-winning set decorator Regina Graves. Her credits include 10 movies with Woody Allen, like Blue Jasmine and Cafe Society, the films I Am Legend and The Amazing Spider-Man, and TV shows like The Nick, Gotham, and Vinyl. In our interview, she shared with us some of the most fascinating aspects of her work. How her team works closely with production designer Bob Shaw, with whom Regina has worked on multiple productions. The amount of detail that goes into finding or building replicas of, say, Jimmy Hoffa's real office, Russell Buffalino or Frank Sheeran's houses. How House Scorsese's own family and mother influenced the set decoration. And the thought process behind designing for the Italian-American mafia genre. And we even get a little taste of the much-awaited upcoming movie The Many Saints of Newark, which is the prequel movie to The Sopranos TV series, which Regina Graves just finished working on. I started by asking Regina how many sets they actually worked on in the massive endeavor that is Scorsese's The Irishman.
1: Well, I ended up talking to Bob Shaw, our production designer, uh, recently, and I totally forgot, you know, because when you're doing this movie, it just, you know, it's like a whirlwind. Um, but we actually had 295 sets. Oh my God. Um, yeah, 28 of those being sets that we built. So in reality, we actually dressed probably 294 because I think one of the sets, um, you know, required no dressing whatsoever from us and that was probably like a driving shot or something that was you know in the woods (laughs) okay
0: so that that was already there
1: (laughs) yeah that was already there we shot as is
0: (laughs) we're gonna get into some specifics but but generally what was the research like for this movie
1: you know it was 50 years concentrating mostly through the, the 50s through the 70s um were like our prime sets uh, you know, and Bob had been talking to, with Marty about this project for years. Um, so he had a lot of research already from talking to Marty and already in his, in his head about the film. I think, like, he had, uh, you know, a lot of it planned out and the vision of it. Um, mm-hmm. But we also had a great researcher, uh, Nara DeMuro, who created uh, timelines and boards for, like, almost all of the sets. Um, we had photos from different time periods posted, like, everywhere in the art department. Um, and NAR also uh, filled like our Dropbox with research. Uh, so it was like a library. Anytime we need a reference or whatever, we just like look back on that. Um, and we also did our own research in the set deck department through history books and, you know, Sears catalogs and magazines and different things like that.
0: And I don't know if many of of the listeners know that you don't only dress sort of, I think you think that you dress sets like interiors and houses and things, but you also really mm-hmm. do streets and, and, and there's a really incredible gas station where Robert De Niro's character, Frank and Joe Pesci's character, Russell Buffalino meet for the first time. Did you actually build that?
1: Well, we did in a way. So that location um, was like a defunct rest stop on the uh, sawmill parkway um, on the New York side. And um, the location team found it and Bob just thought it was perfect when he saw it. Because it had two outbuildings, uh, a larger one and a smaller one on the site with a center parking lot um, that the art department basically transformed. We transformed one building into a Stuckey's convenience store. Mm -hmm. um, And that was like a convenience store chain that was popular in the 50s, like down uh, Maryland and and Pennsylvania area. Um, And we transformed the other little building into kind of like a, um, repair shop, uh, gas, you know, gas station repair store. Um, and the art department built, you know, the Island where we put the pumps on and we basically dressed everything else in. So it, it was a pretty big dress.
0: Yeah. Yeah. How big is your team?
1: So, um, the team in set deck is, is, is fairly small as far as assistants. I had three set deck, um, assistants, Um, and then we, I had a lead man who's a great lead man, Jerry DeTita, and then a set dressing crew that sometimes, you know, we had 60 to 80 people, you know, a day of set dressers because we were just all over the place. (laughs) No.
0: Now you're working in a particular genre here that you, that you've done before. And of course, but the, the mafia genre, what are some of the particular things in, in set design for this genre?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, um. I don't really want to stereotype anyone or, or anything, um, but, you know, here, especially like on the East Coast, there are a lot of Italian-American families, uh, you know, and of that period, there was a certain look that they really like, which we kind of call Italian provincial. Um, and how I, how I can describe that is like, you know, velvet and satin upholstered pieces, gold statues and statuettes, um, pairs of like, you know, figural lamps with, silk lampshades, marble top coffee and end tables, you know, lots of gold, greens, reds, oranges. (laughs) Yeah, like like a certain type of um like dining room furniture, painting and art that like depicts Italian street scenes or landscapes, saints, religious things. Um things that kind of remind them of their homeland, I think. You know, I think a lot of Italian Americans are very proud of where they come from. Um, you know, and I know this period very well growing up in an Italian American household myself and Having my grandmother live downstairs from me. I mean, she lived in an environment like that. Right. Uh, You know, it's really funny because I have an aunt that still has like her very large landscape velvet painting of of Venice. You know, like the Venice scene that you light up and
0: like
1: the whole everything lights up. So they're very proud of that.
0: So do you just go to your aunt's house and pick some stuff out? Yes,
1: (laughs) (laughs) definitely. I definitely use it for research. That's for sure.
0: Yeah. Cause describe, for example, Buffalino's house, which is very specific.
1: So like Buffalino's house, I mean, we really, um, changed a lot of things in there. Uh, you know, we kind of wanted to keep Buffalino. He has that Italian provincial look. Um, but it's also kind of sophisticated in a way. Um, you know, we added a lot of, a lot of paintings in there and, and changed, um, all of the furniture in there. So it has that really Italian provincial look with like the Italian landscapes. And, but I want to say like in a more modest way, mm-hmm. there are things you probably didn't see in buffalinos, but you know, uh, Bob thought it would be funny if we had a painting of, um, Carrie buffalino, like a wedding painting, like her and her, you know, as a bride. Oh, right, right. So, um, he had the scenic department paint an actual painting of um, Catherine Narducci, the actress who plays Carrie, and it was hanging on the wall in there. And like I said, I, I don't really think you, you actually got to see it, but it was pretty fabulous and it really put everyone, it set the tone for the rest of the house.
0: Oh God, now we all want to see that. Now you have to like put yeah. it up for charity or something. <laughs> Definitely.
1: I don't even know what happened to that. I'm not sure if she got it or... I don't even know what happened to it, thinking about it, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah, I hope she did. That's like, <laughs> I hope talk so. about a memory.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: um, the one thing about Marty Scorsese himself is that we know that when he started making movies, it was basically with his friends. His mom was always in the pictures. Um, what What is his take on all this? Did, and was he an inspiration himself?
1: Well, he definitely is an inspiration himself. And so, you know, we looked at, we watched that documentary of his family back in little Italy. And the thing with Marty, um, he basically told Bob that he didn't want this film to really look like anything, meaning that he just wanted it to be, he wanted people to watch it and, and kind of um, resonate with it and and everything just be natural and normal and nothing really like sticking out. He wanted everything to be real. Mm-hmm. So the thing with uh, watching the documentary, a lot of the of things we took away from that was, we were thinking like do these characters have plastic on the furniture which a lot of Italians did back then and so i think bob asked marty and he agreed like no this really you know the buffalinos wouldn't have plastic on their furniture um, you know he but it was very important to him that everyone looked like it, like all the sets were real and that they were realistic enough that it was believable that families lived there
0: right right now Frank Sheeran's house would they have plastic? This is he's not an Italian.
1: No. So um, the funny thing about Frank Sheeran's house, um, we actually had photos of Frank's house, the real house, with, uh, like Frank's real home, like his his house, like where he shared his house that he shared with Mary, his first wife, um, and we had some photos of Frank's house later, of that he that he you know that he lived with um, when he married. Irene um, and lived with her. So we kind of a lot of the photos unfortunately were in black and white, especially the earlier photos. But, you know, we kind of played off of um those photos in creating Frank's kitchen where uh there's a scene of them eating. And um but Frank's house was basically, you know, we kept it very traditional and we changed it up through the years. I mean, his his home. It was more typical to, like, most Americans. It was very lived in. And we kind of made it to seem like his wife could have bought everything out of a Sears catalog. Oh, right. um, you know, so it was it was something that was more relatable. And I think, and and like I said, traditional kind of fits it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: What was the most complicated set? I, I imagine that there's this huge banquet scene. That must have been work for you. That was a lot of work. <laughs>
1: yeah? So um, it was. I mean, we were we shot that at the, uh, like Aharamba Haramba ballroom in, in Harlem. And we were there probably, oh my gosh, I think we were prepping that for probably a month before we shot it, you know, and the scenics came in and they repainted that whole room and the carpenters put in a whole big stage that wasn't there and, you know, platforms everywhere. And, um, we, we built that whole curtain in the backdrop and, all of that stuff, and and it was basically a week of shooting in that space. I mean, there was a lot of a lot of different scenes going on, um, and one so of the most important deals scenes. So many happen in those. Oh in my in gosh, like there. <laughs> So many and so many camera moves and different angles, and, and they were shooting up from the balcony looking down, and you know, uh, them looking from the stage looking out to the audience, then people dancing, then the bands on set. So it was really like a, a week's worth of filming up there, and. Um, So that was a really hard set to do. Mm -hmm. Um, Other than that, I think like Umberto's, you know, we had to create Umberto's twice, once for the exterior set, which we built on a really busy location down in Soho. And then again, we built it on a stage. And what was hard about, what was hard about Umberto's is that we really didn't have a lot of research of what the inside of Umberto's looked like we had a lot of research of what the exterior looked like especially from the night that Joe Gallo was shot i mean it was all over the newspapers
0: right so you actually had like photos from the crime or from oh yeah from oh, when he was okay
1: exactly like there were so many photos because it was like such a big thing that happened but the unfortunately the interior of, of umberto's we had like one little photo or two photos and you really had to sit with a, a magnifying glass to find out like oh the the tile on the floor it's green but like what shade of green is it or the tile on the walls behind like the stove area? They look like subway tile, but they were texture like what what were they and what kind of decoration did they have on the walls? Which um, it was really funny because Lisa, my assistant and I went down to Umberto's, which is still down by like Little Italy, but it has moved locations. And we were trying to go. We went for lunch. We were trying to get some information out of like the waiter that was there and say, oh, You know, do you remember what the old one looked like and just trying to pull things out of a hat? But, um, you know, the main the main thing is that I think we did a pretty good job of replicating it. And um, one of the things that we found uh, good research on and I think probably like the only thing was a piece of wall dressing that they had at Umberto's that was like a, a model of a ship on a little wall shelf with like cork buoys all the way around it that were in like a circle and, um, yeah, it was really funny because recently I saw it on Instagram, like someone found an old photo and then put ours next to it. and was like, oh, you know, oh, cool. so I was like, oh, wow, we did a good job.
0: <laughs> that's, yeah, that's amazingly precise that you're yeah. sitting there with magnifying glasses to find or to find the, you know, colors. Oh, everything. yeah, it was crazy. Now, Al Pacino, he plays Jimmy Hoffa, who is, I mean, very much a mythological, historical figure at this point. Tell me about designing around him and his sets.
1: His office, we basically tried to replicate his office from his Washington DC office, which yeah, had this beautiful set. Oh yeah. It was a great set. And I, I really wish, I mean, I think you did see a lot of it, but you didn't really get to see the back like sitting room area of that office. But anyway, his office was pretty magnificent as it had this beautiful big picture window overlooking the Capitol building. And, um, you know, he had a huge desk that the carpenters ended up building for us because, there was no way we'd find a desk like that. And, you know, we tried to duplicate everything right down to, like, his desk blotter, which, again, the Carpenters built and the Scenics painted for us. And we had a, um, a big, um, like, audio intercom system that, again, one of the set designers uh, designed and built. And we had all custom furniture built for in there, custom light fixtures. Um, it was really pretty unique and there was also a sculpture that was in his office that, again, the scenics were unbelievable. They, they sculpted this, this like lion-like sculpture that was, um, in front of him and the graphic department put together this big portrait of him and his, um, vice president Fitzsimmons. And it was just, it, it was a really beautiful space. Yeah.
0: So many different elements that go into in different departments. It's incredible. I- I can't imagine it was. coordinating all this
1: stuff. Yes. <laughs>
0: um, besides, you're talking about things you build, but the things that you don't build, where do you find everything?
1: On this show, we had a lot of resources. I mean, uh, I, so I can't even tell you how, like, what our list looked like at the end of the job of all of our, our vendor lists. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, we found things, uh, you know, we use prop houses in New York, as well as Los Angeles. Um, the internet is, is so, you know, so good to us these days. I mean, we use eBay, Etsy, Ruby Lane, I don't even know, first dibs, cherish, um, Facebook marketplace
0: revolutionized your profession, the internet.
1: Oh, it has. I mean, it's gone are the days of like going around with your yellow page pages and, (laughs) you know, uh, dimes in your pocket to call on a payphone or something. I mean, yeah, the internet has just opened us up to so many different um, resources and possibilities. It's just, you know, I'm lucky that I'm doing this now in this time.
0: <laughs> right. Now there's a, um, ring in this picture. That's very important. Um, that Buffalino gives to Frank Sheeran. Is it true that Mr. Scorsese designed that himself or was a part of it?
1: Well, like I said, I can't really take any credit for the ring. Um, but what I did find out, uh, later was that, the ring was actually a replica of the ring that Frank actually had. And the same person that gave us the photos of the interior of Frank's house also gave, um, I guess, Marty and the prop department the ring, you know, or showed them pictures, you know, showed them the ring. And they basically duplicated that actual ring that Frank wore. Because
0: it's pretty, it looks, I mean, you don't get a real close-up of it, but it looks pretty big and spectacular. Yes.
1: <laughs> and yes. there's like
0: only five in the world, or there's a line about I think there,
1: there's so. only three. Three?
0: Oh, three, okay. Even there's that, only even three,
1: that. and only one of them is Irish, yeah. who has the ring.
0: All right. And now you have, uh, or uh, how many did you make? One or two? Or there's Now there's four.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what happened to that ring. Um, but like I said, uh, Joel, our prop master, was in charge of all of that so um i have to ask him where the ring is hmm.
0: yeah. well maybe de niro kept that one
1: maybe <laughs> now yeah. like you said now there's four
0: <laughs> yeah so there's a spectacular scene i'm curious about with the taxis being dumped into the river um like how did you do this was this in one take how many taxis did you have
1: all right so i have to i have to admit on that i had nothing to do with the taxis <laughs> we had a car person that was just strictly because the job was so big, he was only, he only dealt with cars and all the period cars and the taxis were all his thing. Um, his name was Bobby Griffin and he's amazing. And I'm just so glad I was not him. Yeah. I can't even tell you how many, how many taxis he had. I know that, um, in our lockup space and in a couple of our stage sets that they had, you know, cars and, and there were like miles of cars and taxis and, and different period vehicles. That they used
0: yeah because that's a sort of very typical um scorsese camera move where he's just going you know over the taxis being dumped one by one and i just kept thinking mm-hmm. how many times did they do this or did they fish them yeah. up or what? it's like
1: yeah and then the scene where the taxis where they blow all the taxis up
0: oh right it's more taxis <laughs> there's no taxis left There's no, yeah none what about this incredible there's this we keep hearing about the and seeing the incredible de aging techniques that that was used in this movie, where the actors really spanned decades um, with these big three lens cameras that made it possible. Did this impact your work at all in terms of set dressing?
1: You know, luckily not really. Um, the way they did this, you know, we're all with like little dots and the and the camera. Um, so basically, the only thing that really affected us was the art department when they designed the sets, they had to be mindful of like door openings. And so the camera could fit through because the camera was pretty large. Um, but other than that, the only thing that really affected us sometimes were the, the lighting department changed out bulbs, like specialty bulbs Mm -hmm. in front of the characters. But no, it was so, I guess they revolutionized, you know, the way this is all happening. And Other than these little dots that they put on the actors' faces, we didn't really have to worry about anything else.
0: And now you just worked on a very much awaited and exciting upcoming project, and that is The Many Saints of Newark. Now, this is a movie, but it's really the prequel to The Sopranos TV series. And I guess here you're working with beloved material, something that we, the viewers, recognize. How was the thinking there? Do you go back and look at the series? or?
1: Well, so the good thing about The Sopranos is that I'm working with Bob Shaw again, um, who was the designer for many years on the series. So, um, again, he already has, like, that look and that feeling and, and, like, all the color palettes and stuff already chosen in in his mind, I think. Because it's the prequel, we wanted to make a connection, but things are different in in some way, like uh, Tony's Mother's House, for instance— you know, we wanted to make her, instead of giving her that kind of stereotypical, like like I was talking about before, Italian provincial look. I mean, she has a little bit of it, but we didn't want want to make Livia look like she really cares about, um, you know, furnishings too much or that she is much of a decorator. And I don't mean that by saying, like, her house doesn't look well put together, but it, it just doesn't look that put together. It's kind of, we made her house kind of... Um, feel like she basically did what, what everyone else in the neighborhood did or what her family members did. But in the Soprano movie, I mean one of the things that we wanted to make sure looked like it did in the series was the pork store, because the pork store goes all the way back to the prequel. Um, so the pork store we recreated by looking at the research from the from the series, you know, so we tried to recreate that as best we could. And then, you know, take away, a, a, you know, 20 years or so.
0: And it must be a different era because, I mean, uh, thinking of the series, you have sort of Carmela's Nouveau Riche, rich, very white marble, modern type Italian-American design. This must be a completely different Oh, era. it is.
1: Yes, it's different. Takes you, takes you back. It's, it's um, 60s, early 70s. So, yeah, it takes you way back you meet, you meet like Tony's dad in this. And, um, I really can't say much about it, but you kind of get some of the backstory to certain things.
0: Well, you must have a couple of warehouses full of sixties, seventies mafia (laughs) things after these two projects.
1: Oh my gosh. I just hope I don't get, uh, you know, put into that whole category, but It's been, it's been a lot of fun. I mean, seriously, a lot of fun, but I have to admit, I I don't think I can look at any more Italian provincial furniture, you know, for (laughs) at least like the next year or so. So we won't find that at your house. Um, No, maybe my mom's, but not mine. (laughs)
0: Okay. So finally, what are you working on now?
1: So, um, I'm working with the same team, uh, team again, I'm working with Bob Shaw and Laura Ballinger, um, his art director again on a TV show, Uh, called The Gilded Age, which is the prequel to Downton Abbey, and we don't start shooting until March, and it's set in, like, 1880s New York City, um, about, like, the life of high society New York. It's going to be pretty exciting. Well, It's a big change from the um, past movies I've been on.
0: Yeah, I can imagine. Well, I, I imagine you can't say much about that now, but maybe I can get back to you and talk about that when we get closer.
1: Oh, definitely. I'd love that.
0: Thank you so much, Regina. This was really interesting and good luck with that.
1: Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much
0: to Regina Graves. The Irishman is out now on Netflix and in limited release in theaters. And we cannot wait for Regina's upcoming project that should be out soon. Thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe to Pop Culture Confidential wherever you get your podcasts. And I love getting your feedback. Send that to me through Twitter at Christina Biru or through Instagram. And if you have a moment, please rate and review the show. This episode was edited by Julia Scott and I'm Christina Yerling Biru.
1: What they used to call frugal is now considered sustainable.
0: That's such an aha moment. Frugal to sustainable. You can save
1: money and help the planet. That's going to be our new tagline for sure. You can find Guilty Greeny on Apple Podcasts or whichever podcast platform you prefer.
0: And join us in tackling the Guilty Greeny challenges. Until then, stay Curiously
1: Green.